Welcome back, everyone, to the Holistic Truth Podcast. This is Christina and Tyler, and we're here today to introduce one of our foundational concepts that we use in our coaching curriculum. And I just kind of thought I'd give you a backstage access pass to a little bit of how we structure our sessions with our clients. And so I'm using a book that we we, we use in our coaching program and we actually have to read it as a prerequisite to start coaching our clients. And if it's something that you're interested in, we can list the name in the podcast uh, show notes, but the book is called How to Eat, Move and Be Healthy by our teacher and mentor, Paul Check. So like a wheel, each spoke of the wheel in our life is our teacher, and is the way in which we can kind of see the direction that we're living, see the direction in which we are showing up, see the direction of which possibly maybe we need some attunement or refinement. And so, you know, if our life is like a wheel, what are the spokes of the wheel? This could be religion, this could be uh, your code of ethics, this could be your morality, your integrity, but in the coaching program, we have a four system approach of how to look at the wheel of each of our client and the way they're living their lives and kind of assess where we need to go. So you can say it looks like a wheel, but maybe it's a compass. And so there are four different doctors that Paul Check calls these little quadrants in our wheel or our compass. And the four doctors are Dr. Happiness, Dr. Quiet, Dr. Movement, and Dr. Diet. And we thought this would be really nice to bring in on the podcast just to maybe give you a little bit of insight and maybe to open you up to kind of see where, where are you at in your wheel? How are you doing? How are you feeling? And so to kind of open this up, uh, I want to bring in Dr. Happiness. Dr. Happiness is the boss. So this is the chief physician overseeing the other doctors. This spoke with the wheel defines your dreams, your goals, your aspirations and such. And so like the big, big first question that we ask is what makes you happy? Tyler, what makes you happy? Being here with you on the podcast. <laughs> oh, One of the oh, yeah. for sure. <laughs> That's sweet. Uh, following my heart and doing those little things, just being able to be myself and trying to, to pull positives out of, of negative situations and what makes me happy is being able to be me and to be comfortable with that. And it takes a little bit of everything. All these four doctors, you know, I guess you could say it's kind of like love and marriage. You can't have one way out without the other. So you really need to incorporate all four of them in your life. And if you have Dr. Quiet, Dr. Diet, Dr. Movement in check in, in turn, you're going to have more happiness, but you can also reverse that, you know, and say you have to be happy to, to uh, get the other ones lined out as well. So 
what makes me happy is just doing what I'm able to do. So if, if I can do something, if I feel like I want to do it, even if it makes me uncomfortable, or even if I think, you know, I, I may not be the best qualified person for this, it doesn't matter. I'm still going to give it an attempt. And, and in that way, I, I never fail because I always learn something. So happiness to me is doing. And that's the easiest way for me to sum it up. Yeah, and I think this is a really good place to start for any any lifestyle examination, you know, like looking at where you're happy, looking at where you're not happy, and then, you know, where do we go from here? Because I, I tell my children all the time, you know, life is, is um, it boils down to choice, you know, are you doing something that makes you happy? If you're not, then is there anything that we can do within your control, right? Because we don't get to control everything, but is there anything in our grasp that could control that happiness? And usually for my children, it's just a change in perspective, you know, because they're still kids and they need to listen to me. So, <laughs> yeah. and then, you know, the other, the other aspect that we like to highlight with this quadrant when we're looking at our lives and just trying to figure out our dreams and our goals and what direction to take is, well, what isn't making you happy? Um, and wh why do you think that that's important? Why do we need to look at what's not making you happy? Well, for me, that's about elimination and saving your energy for those things that do make you happy. So if you can eliminate some of those things out of your life or minimize them at least, then you have more room to be happy and you can allow that to come into your life more. So the things that don't make you happy, you know, we all have them and we all have to face them no matter if you want to or not. So my advice on that would be to interject happiness into those things at some point so if you don't you know you you like doing part of your job but you don't like doing the other part of it like maybe you can kind of mix that up a little bit or you can find an appropriate time to take a break and and do something that makes you happy in between there so don't you know i say don't take advantage of of stuff like that but do take advantage of it uh, meaning that take advantage of like a break at work and really breathe and and relax and contemplate what it is that that will help get you through the day instead of just kind of floating through your break and being on facebook or tiktok or something else and not really giving yourself that time to actually sit there and internalize everything. So you could say, you know, you could practice Dr. Quiet in the most busiest workplace in the world if you found the right place and maybe that would be outside or heck, maybe it'd even be in the bathroom. I don't know. Yeah, but yeah. If, so you're, if like your version of happy is like being alone, then when you're doing something that isn't making you happy, 
can you be alone on your break or something like that? I have friends that go sit in their cars, you know? So it's like really paying attention to like, what do you want? And then how do we distill it down so it's practical in our everyday lives, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and one of the things that I kind of wrote down here to wrap Dr. Happy up was, you know, it's really important to recognize your feelings, your state of mind, and your overall well-being. How is your life flowing and how much energy do you have? And so, you know, if we are having practices, like you say, where we're kind of distracting or numbing, then we aren't going to know what our genuine feelings are. And if you are a regular listener of this podcast, Tyler and I are very big advocates of having some sort of a practice where you are forming a relationship with your emotional and your feeling body. And this requires us to not only feel joy, happiness, and pleasure, but also is a it is a requirement to feel things that are uncomfortable, um, that depression, that sadness, that grief. Because when we lean into all of these emotional and felt edges, then we know which direction that we need to go in next. So if I'm not feeling happy doing this one endeavor, but I still need to do it, how can I make it an act of devotion, right? How can I make this an embodied prayer so that I'm grateful for cleaning the toilet? I'm grateful for mowing my lawn in 110 degree weather. I have a lawn. So it could be a perspective shift, it could boil down to a lot of things, but really forming a relationship with the spectrum that is your emotional body, I think is probably, I don't know, I think it's probably one of the most important pieces of this. Do you agree? Yeah, I agree. And you triggered something there with me. So I would also like to share that, you know, and Dr. Happiness is, a, is about being creative and having dreams and stuff. And I see people getting stuck in that long-term dream and the big dream, you know, that they don't know if they're ever going to be able to achieve, but it's there. It's also important to have smaller dreams or goals, you know, to step up to that big one so that you're you're accomplishing these smaller ones in order to get there because when you look at that big giant dream and you're like oh there's no way i can ever do that well maybe you can't right now but if you use the other ones you know we could say this is short-term and long-term goals if you use your short-term goals you know uh, as a stepping stone and achieve those along the way i think you're a lot more likely to be happy and get that sense of accomplishment and um, provide you with the motivation, which all goes into Dr. Happiness and can push you to, to achieve those long-term goals and, and eventually getting that big dream that you're thinking of. So don't ever just look at that big dream and say it's not possible and put your head down and, and carry on because that, that's you're never going to be happy. Yeah, and that actually spurred this image of the fall, right? When the when the leaves are dropping their leaves, they're nourishing themselves. And so just remembering to take a pause and to 
maybe look down at the leaves that have dropped and just for yourself in your own tree and just asking yourself, what have I accomplished this season? What have I accomplished this cycle? And I think this is something that I often witness within myself. I don't want to speak for anyone else, but for me personally, I have to really work hard at stopping and looking around and seeing where I've come from because I have kind of a, I've got a, oh, a perfectionist complex, I think a little bit. So if I, if I have this goal or dream that I think is going to bring me externally happiness and I'm not there yet. I attribute my internal happiness to this external thing. So when we have practices that force us lovingly, force us to kind of pause and just look at where we are in the cycle, how far have we come, it just kind of gives a bigger perspective. And we just have to be careful not to attach our, our happiness or our emotions to things outside of us and to really also reflect on like what are some of the internal choices and changes that we can make and this will lead me into the next doctor on our little wheel or compass whichever one you like to visualize which is dr quiet and dr quiet is in charge of rest and stillness you know we live in a really fast-paced culture and when this concept was introduced to us in our training about a, well i think a year ago today um, or this week when we met Tyler, um, you know, this Dr. Quiet idea, I was like, I don't understand. I don't need introspection. I don't need self-care. Self I don't need sleep. I've got stuff to do. You know, we have this external validation of worth and, you know, I could go on and on about that. But, you know, Dr. Quiet is such an important piece to our over, overall health and well-being. And one of the most important components of this is sleep. And so uh, before I talk about what the three kinds of rest or regeneration could mean in this cycle, um, you know, is there anything that comes up for you when we're talking about Dr. Quiet in regards to um, calming practices and rest? What does that look like during a day? For me, the first thing that pops into mind is the sleep. So with the fast paced life, like you're talking about, and all these things that we want to accomplish, you know, the last thing you want to do is sleep because you know, you're not getting anything done at that time, but it's necessary to have that because without sleeping, you're not going to get anything done anyway. So, and I don't know, maybe just a handful of people that I've met that's been like, oh, my sleep is great. I never have to take anything. I can go to sleep when I want to. Um, it's very uncommon. So I know sleep medication is one of the most prescribed medications in the US and you have to be careful with that stuff too. And sleep to me is the most important thing when it comes to getting everything else done because it's going to determine the energy that you have and the focus that you have and the clarity of your mind. Because if you're not giving yourself the opportunity to rest and to clear your thoughts and 
for your body to physically regenerate as well, then you're never going to get anywhere else. So sleep is definitely the most important. And I still struggle with it myself. Like, oh, on average, probably about one night a week where I just, I struggle to get to sleep. And I got to a point where sometimes I'll get up and kind of reflect and see, is there something that I didn't do today or something that I did today that's causing this and try to kind of line it out? You know, a lot of times it's my mind racing and I've got too many thoughts and I can get out of bed and just sit down and kind of breathe, you know, for 10 minutes and, and reflect and kind of clear my mind. And then I'll go back to bed and, you know, just tell yourself it's okay. You know, you, you can work on this tomorrow you know, get it, get it out of your head and let your body rest. But that's one thing that helps me get better sleep, which leads to everything else in your life being better. Yeah. And, you know, I just got this image while you were talking of like watching people drive their cars and eating food and just this constant need to go, go, go and do, do, do. And yet um, we just compromise we compromise our health and well-being by cutting corners in other areas, yet we deeply desire to be healthy and to live long. And so if we want to have longevity and vitality, I I really like to, when we used to live in Portland, Oregon, and I remember taking my kids to the park and I'd always see these people out by the little pond, by the playground, I would see them doing Tai Chi. And I'd always think to myself, like, you know, it's so slow. What are they doing? You know, I was so used to like martial arts and running and riding bikes and just constantly like, man, do to do. As I've gotten older, I'm starting to really understand how precious that is because you, you think about it, you know, how long does it take to grow a tomato? You know, it requires a lot of love and attention for this beautiful creation. And when did that stop being the dialogue for us, you know? And when I had kids, one of the things that the advice someone gave me when I was pregnant was when they nap, you nap. But I was that mom that when my kids would nap, I would do, you know, laundry, clean, cook. I never stopped. And I'm pretty sure I had adrenal fatigue. I had no libido, absolutely, especially after my second child for two years. And this is not normal. It's not normal. And so I was compromising literally my marriage, my friendships, my everything, because I wasn't taking time to heal to regenerate, to charge up, I was running on fumes. And so this idea of rest doesn't have to be scary. Like I said earlier, you know, maybe it's just a shift in perspective. And so rest, there are three different types of rest that Paul Check likes to describe in the book, and I'll say them now for you, just to kind of put it on your radar. But the first one is active rest. This means performing your movements and or your exercises at a reduced intensity. 
um, you know, I kind of look at this and maybe you have a different perspective, Tyler. I kind of see this as like a yoga practice or that Tai Chi or Qigong. So you're not doing this like power yoga, 110 degrees, you know, but you're doing something that's a little more restorative, maybe not a yin yoga, but just a more gentle flow. So you're giving your mind and your body a little bit more of a pause, but you're still kind of doing some movements. What do you see as like a active rest practice? Yoga would be one of the first things that came to my mind too. Um, just anything that, that has a, a movement with thought mm -hmm. and not, you know, it, it's not meant to be intense. So just, you know, incorporate a little bit of movement and breathing and thought that would incorporate all three things. I think that would be important um, for having active quiet time. So one of the best things to do, and we've talked about this a lot, but it, it's so important and it's so nice all the way around. And so that's why we always bring it up quite often is to take a walk, take a nature walk, you know, and, and just be with yourself and breathe and take in everything around you. And it, it's a good time to to let stuff come in and, and kind of analyze some thoughts and ideas as well. It can be a form of meditation for you. I mean, there is walking meditation. It is a thing. And to me, that that's the most important thing when it comes to, to uh, have an active quiet time is to keep it active, but keep it quiet. Yeah, and the second type of um, of rest is actually passive rest, and I like to say like a passive rest is actually like an intentional slow walk. So active rest could be like you know the walk you're taking out in nature, and you're you have a little bit more of a how do they say it? a little kick in your step. I don't know the phrase fire under your butt, but the passive rest is like an intentional, like legit like slow motion, you know, like how slow can you go on this walk? So you're just literally like, if you ever seen a toddler in one of those butterfly farms and you know how slow they're moving, just trying not to touch anything, but also wanting to get closer, like that kind of energy. You know, so passive rest is our second kind of rest. And this is not to create any stress. In fact, it's more like play, you know, it's you're moving your body, but really like we're just kind of in nature or we're swimming, we're doing something that's extremely restorative. Um, what else? Do you have anything else for passive rest? I like meditation as well. That's a really great passive rest practice. If you can't take a nap, can you kind of do like a meditation? Yeah, I would. The thing that come into my head was just laying on my back outside and, and looking up at the clouds and making what you can out of them. I love that. That, you know, a lot of us used to do that as kids and, and we still do that here at my house and that's why I want to get a new trampoline again, I'm trying to talk the wife into it. I'm like, 
we could lay out there and look up at the stars and everything. And I think she's all for it. I just haven't made the the jump to get one. But but the way I am too, I've got to to realize I'm not getting that thing to to try to improve, you know, the backflips and stuff that I did when I was 14. Of course, I would still do it, but um, just hopefully I'd have enough sense nowadays not to to push it too far and get hurt. <laughs> My gosh, we're we're older now. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, you can have a passive and active practice. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, and the last kind of rest is total rest. So now we're talking um, sleep. So we're talking ten to twenty minute naps. Um, Ninety minute naps are ideal. And this is so great, you know, especially if you're the type of person that gets that cortisol slump um, and you feel it. Some people push through that, but if you're tuned into your body, you'll feel a natural cortisol slump, which we all have around three o'clock in the afternoon. Um, my husband will take naps at work because he notices he's an engineer, so he's using his head all day. And I've done it before my kids get home from school because I know I still have hours to go and I have to be super mom. And so taking these little cat naps are really, I never allowed myself to do it, but I just love it now because I feel like I got a second wind. Yeah, I'm not a great napper, but there are times that, that it's just, it, feels amazing even if it's 30 minutes that I lay down and and can fall asleep and actually feel a little bit restored when I wake up so I I think as you move along you know this becomes more important later in life too being able to to take that nap and still feel energetic you know through the second half of your day or into the evening so that that's really important to me and I just want to throw it back in there that that if you can't, you know, there's a lot of information on this, but if you can't dial in some of this stuff, just focus on getting that sleep because, I mean, if for, for sure it's the most important thing, but you could also argue that the other parts of Dr. Quiet can kind of be incorporated in sleep. I mean, it's going to allow your body to physically rebuild, you know, have that anabolic rebound. And, you know, you, what's well, one of the things you do that's so important when you sleep is dream and dreams can definitely be part of your spiritual development and give you introspection, which is another part of Dr. Quiet. So if you can't hone in these other things, work on your sleep and then you will start to, have the energy and feel like you can incorporate these other things into Dr. Quiet. Right. And, you know, the other thing that's like really great is just asking yourself these questions, you know, how much time alone do I need a day? And do I need time for a spiritual practice? Because, you know, the, like Tyler was saying, this introspection and this sort of pausing of this busy mind is really beneficial to health and vitality and energy. Um, I kind of like to say that it like releases the pressure valve a little bit. I used to have a meditation practice. I did a two week, four o'clock for 40 minute 
meditation practice every day. And I just felt, I don't know how to describe it. It changed my life. I always bring it up to people because it was so impactful. I started having more create, creative urges and ideas and a deeper connection with my intuition. And I think it was so impactful because like I said earlier, I had never really taken time to meditate or nap. What are we doing? I've got stuff to do. So pausing and actually forming this relationship with myself helps me kind of see that the teacher that I'm looking for is actually inside of me and I just have to be still enough to listen. Or the healer or the doctor that we're looking for is within you because you know you. So give that part of you a voice because that voice is the one who's gonna help you get where you wanna go. And speaking of getting where you want to go, we're going to move to the third doctor, which is Dr. Movement. So obviously, Dr. Movement is expressed through the principle of movement, but also includes how we express our emotions, how we use our minds, and how we move our bodies. It covers how we use our energy and our resources. This is a really big one. Um, Movement's a big one for me. I'm not a sitter. I am definitely a stander and doer as a mom, but I don't really have a physical exercise practice just because personally I've been really disconnected from this part of myself and I'm starting to get it back. And, you know, at 37, I'm like, what have I been doing this whole time? Why haven't I been doing yoga and walking and <laughs> taking care of myself? Because I can see my life changing, my mind clearing. I can see like more of a smile on my face and I notice differences in my body and my shape. And it's, it's because I'm cultivating time for me. And so, you know, this is something that's new to me, but not to you, Tyler. And so what advice would you give someone like me, you know, I want to sit here and say, I want to do, I want to work out every single day and I want to walk every single day. But how does one discern whether one should have a work in cycle or a workout, you know, cycle? What's the difference between working in and working out? And how do we discern? So we're not burning ourselves out either. Well, working out is definitely my jig. And like you, I'm a mover. I'm a fiddler, pin snapper, table tapper. You know, always, my feet are always moving. You know, I I annoy people because they'll want it quiet, you know, and I'm sitting there clicking something or, you know, tap. it doesn't help that I'm a drummer too. So I'm always, always got some type of rhythm going on. Um you know, it's just, it's always, it's one thing I have been since the day I born, I was born that has um, stuck with me and, and carried on. And so I've found out different ways to, to incorporate that and to hopefully not be so annoying about it, but I'm so used to doing it. And it's one of those things I do, you know, I'll be tapping on something and not even realizing it. But when it comes to most people don't hear about working in, you hear more about working out and working in, you know, it is 
kind of going back to Dr. Quiet a little bit and incorporating that into Dr. Movement. So, you know, all of these are going to be incorporated into one another. That's why all four are so important. I think they, they complement each other very well. So working in is that, you know, like active work that we were talking about and passive too, um, but it's more internal. And, you know, you can look at it as like working in, that's working inside of you, like a thought process, like, you know, breathing and thinking and throw a little bit of, of you know, passive movement in there is working in and meditation is working in and working out is exactly what we know it to be, which is, you know, having that movement, going to the gym, getting on a treadmill, elliptical or or whatever you want to do, um, jogging would be working out. Anything that gets that heart pumping, you could say is working out. Anything that is calming and you can slow your heart rate and you can even practice this and, and you know, take your two fingers and, and feel along the inside of your wrist. If your thumbs turn towards the inside and you can feel your pulse and I would challenge everybody to do this and, and sit there and feel your pulse and breathe really deep in and out for a couple of minutes and, and see what it does to your heart rate. So that's working in is doing something that is going to relax you and bring your heart rate down. Working out is going to increase your heart rate. So I think that's a, a really simple way to kind of cover the broad uh, perspective of both of those. Yeah, and you know, I know, um, I know, um, I'm not, I won't say any names, but there, you know, I know people who have had, are in moments of stress and will go on that elliptical or go on that treadmill. And would you recommend that? Would you recommend that practice or would you work, recommend like a work in practice? I would recommend a, a work in practice at first. And I think you could incorporate the other one along with it, but you don't need to be so intense with it because if you're really stressed out, your brain only processes that hormone, you know, it's cortisol as one thing. So it, you can actually produce it from mental stress or physical. So when you're compounding both of them together and you don't have a, a doctor quiet, you know, in place, then you really need to work on working in more and getting clarity and being calm because you have all this anxious and stress built up from work. And so your, your body is already being stressed out and the physical stress that, you know, working out will provide is just going to end up being more harmful if, if you're not balanced out. So yeah, you, you got to work in and, and figure out what's going on there and, and be quiet and, and kind of eliminate a little bit of that stress before you go adding more on your body from, from physically working out. And for me, how it happens is I 
we'll get up in the morning and uh, sometimes I'll take a pre-workout or something. Sometimes I'll get that caffeine jolt. Sometimes I won't, but I'll go to the gym and I'll have, you know, some pretty heavy music, upbeat stuff going on and, and really work out hard and everything. And then when I walk out and leave the gym in my car, a lot of times I'll switch the music over to more of uh, instrumental, slow, meditative. And so I, I kind of get that calming effect and, and try to carry that more throughout my day. Because for me, it's easy to go in and, and work out really hard. It's hard for me to have the, the quiet time. So I have to try harder to get Dr. Quiet in than I do for Dr. Movement. So this is where you figure out which one you tend to lean more towards naturally and work on the other one instead. I really love what you just brought in um, because you and I are opposite. I've cultivated such a great morning ritual practice that's very very like feminine and yin energy. And um, I actually struggle with intentional movement practices that are more active. You could say more like masculine or yang energy. Um, and so that's awesome because, you know, this is what every day is asking just to find balance. And, you know, the question you ask yourself here is, you know, what are my health and fitness goals and how much movement do I need a day to be healthy? What do I need to get towards my goal? If we have a weight loss goal, yes, we're going to have to do some active practices, but we also have to incorporate the passive. We need to just constantly strive for balance. And so the last doctor that we will bring up is Dr. Diet. And Dr. Diet is in charge of how we hydrate and nourish our body and mind. And I added this little piece in here because I think this is really important. You know, if you don't know, there is a, I believe, oh, I'm going to butcher it a little bit, so I'm sorry. There's a man who, I don't know if he's a chemist or a botanist or something ist who did these experiments with water and he experimented with different emotions and words and feelings and such and how it affected water and i'm sure I'll, most of you have heard of this you know how how we talk to and treat water can affect a plant that's being watered with that water so you can imagine if we love love water right? We just love it and we adore it and we water a plant with it. How is that plant going to do with its sister or twin plant with water that's been treated negatively? And so if we take this analogy and we go back to ourselves, if we're compromised of 70 to 75% or comprised, not compromised, compromised. <laughs> if we're comprised of, you know, 70, 75% water, um, I think that number is right. How are we hydrating ourselves? How are we literally on a physical scale? How are we hydrating our body? But also how are we hydrating 
and watering ourselves? What are our thoughts? Because the body listens. And so when we talk about Dr. Diet, we're talking about, you know, on the physical realm of nutrition and quality, right? And quantity, but we're also talking about our mental diet. What are we consuming? What are we excreting? What are we kind of, what's at our table? And so, you know, diet, I think is one of the biggest pieces in health, obviously, because it's in our spoke, it's one of the spokes on our wheel. But just remember that this is equally important for us to have a relationship with our mind. Is there anything you would like to offer on this one? Yeah, uh, I just want to remind people, too, that we have a whole podcast over water. And it was the first podcast we did, but it may be the most informative podcast we've done, too. There, There's a lot in there. And if you're curious about that, then I would recommend you listen to that episode. But it's not only important the amount, but the kind of water you're drinking and what's in your water. And that episode covers everything. And to me, water is the start of a good diet. So if you can't do anything else, drink the right kind and the right amount of water to get started. And that'll help push you in the right direction. But yeah, like I said, all these kind of bounce off of each other and are in balance with each other. So you, you really need to work on all four of them to be, you know, to be the happiest you can be and to live the most fulfilled life and to give yourself the most potential. So, yeah, I'm not going to get too much into doctor diet because most people do know, you know, they need to drink more water. They need to eat less, less sugar. And you need to be looking at foods that are, that are more, pure whole foods and not so processed like an easy way to do it is to look at the ingredients and if you see you know I'll just use like chicken for example if you see you know just one ingredient or two ingredients and you see one that has you know 10 or 12 ingredients then it's obvious which one is more pure and less processed. So the less ingredients, normally the better. That's one of the easier ways to choose what type of food you're getting. And, you know, sometimes it's easier to start with watching your calories a little bit, but I challenge all of you to look at the back of the box and not just the front when you're buying stuff. And, and go off of what's in there. I mean, there's going to be a bunch of stuff you can't even pronounce. And I recommend if you can't pronounce it, you probably shouldn't be eating it. So I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. And um, I just did a podcast, a solo cast, um, the Detox and Cleanse podcast. And, you know, I was talking about, you know, how to kind of, you know, cleanse and detox, obviously detox and cleanse the body and now i'm transitioned i've transitioned just this week into i call it a protein and produce diet it's not a diet it's more of a lifestyle but it's you know i love this because it take 
And this is what I addressed if you didn't listen to the detox and cleanse one is we don't have to make this so complicated, you know? So protein and produce, did it grow here on earth? Yes or no? Did someone touch it besides harvest and get it to you? Yes or no? This, that's it. You know, I don't, I'm currently right now only consuming things that have been grown or freshly mm, harvested. I do like to eat meat, but, you know, just keeping it really simple. And then balancing that with once I kind of lean out of this lifestyle um, switch that I've decided to be on for a little bit. But once I decided, you know, hey, you know, I want a piece of, you know, cake or I want to have that cup of coffee with some half and half right now, which I'm not doing. But if I do decide to do something like that, the other piece I want to bring in going back to what I said about how to nourish the mind and hydrate the mind and body through our thoughts and emotions is if you decide to have that sugar or that fast food French fry, which is probably super delicious, watch how you're treating it as it's going in. Do we have gratitude for what's in front of us and how it's nourishing us? Because this is a really big component. If you are feeling guilty if you're having an emotional attachment to how detrimental it might be, well, how is the body going to assimilate that? Because it's all energy. So just remember, you know, when I'm on road trips and all we have access to in like, you know, rural Louisiana is a McDonald's, am I going to feel guilt or am I going to be grateful for the food that's in front of me and my family? So just remember, to also everything with perspective, just try to have more gratitude, make the best choices you can in the moment you can, and ask yourself, are the choices that I'm making in this moment getting me closer to my dream? And if you don't remember what your dream is, let's start at the beginning before we bring in any doctors and we ask, what do I want? What'll make me happy? And what do I need to get there? And if you don't know, then reach out to a coach, reach out to someone who could potentially help you get on the path to your dream because we all deserve to make our dreams come true, no matter how big or small. I was a wonderful TED talk. You were all welcome. <laughs> was, was there anything perfect. else you, that was, that's, that felt real good coming out. I love yeah. all of you. <laughs> I love the way you ended it. I, I think we should call it good right there. I think we could keep going all day, but. Um, I know, I, I love talking. Is that terrible? <laughs> no. I think that's one reason we do a podcast, right? I know. I know. <laughs> well, thank you for joining me, uh, Tyler, for this. I hope you guys liked this little quick little compass and round table so that we can kind of help you you know, hopefully we planted some seeds. So thank you for listening. We love you. Um, if you have anything to offer, if you have any questions, like we always say, don't, don't hesitate to reach out.